Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. So I want my kid to have, you know, like a good role model of a mom that had a dream. She wanted to pursue it. And so for that, she had to sacrifice a few things. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hey, this is Adam Marks. I'm a tech founder, writer, and consultant, and I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about three and a half years now. Esprit does a phenomenal job spotlighting female entrepreneurs from all over the world And one thing I love about the show is listening to their stories and how they've built their companies and organizations. We should always be pushing for representation and equality every time we go into the boardroom, every time we look for co-founders, every time we look to hire employees for our companies. So support representation and equality, support the Women in Tech podcast, follow me at AdamMarks13 on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And remember to always look for the orange sunglasses. One of the hardest things as, you know, a driven person and and someone working in tech is to balance making time for ourselves and for our friends and being driven and getting all the things done. It's such a difficult balance. Man, I got to see one of my best friends this week and it was the best and also I'm like trying to power through all the tasks that I didn't get done while seeing him. And it just, I wouldn't take anything away. I would see him a million times over, but it's just like so crazy how working in tech and being a founder, it just doesn't end. There's no stopping point. It just keeps going and going and going. And so it's really up to us to have those boundaries and to prioritize like, no, I, it's fine that the task doesn't get done yet or later or whatever it may be. And then also to prioritize sleep on top of that because it's really important. We're better leaders the better sleep we have. So if we sacrifice sleep, we're actually not as effective at being productive and doing our job. So just such a crazy world we live in, but so exciting too, right? Because we get to be creative and we get to invent utilizing code and vision and I don't know, it's just such a crazy world. Oh, it's a, it's like past 11. I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to keep working 11 p.m. if I'm going to keep working into the night or I'm going to make sure to prioritize sleep and it's always a struggle. Anyway, enjoy the next episode. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest coming at us from Israel. Welcome, Yulia. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, So my name is Yulia. 
Um, I was born and raised in Ukraine uh, and I moved to Israel uh, about four years ago uh, with my husband and a a tiny little kid who is now a (laughs) very loud toddler. Um, I work in marketing. Um, I am head of content at um, a company called Lemon.io. We are basically connecting Eastern European developers uh, with American startups. So excited to have you. I spent time in Ukraine in 2019. I interviewed several amazing women in tech there. I am so sorry for what's going on. I can't even imagine how you must feel me just having spent a little bit of time there. It's been overwhelming. So my heart is with you. And uh, yeah, and I know everybody knows what we're talking about, but my heart is with you. And thank you for sharing your magic with us on the interview today. When did you become interested in, in content and in technology? When I was seven years old, I got a little baby brother. <laughs> and um, I was um, taking care of him a lot. And um, I read a lot of books to him. So when we read through all of our home library, I realized I wouldn't have any more books to read to him. So I started writing my own book. <laughs> it was about these animal animals that lived uh, in the forest and they have a school and it was, you know, it was really cute and everything. <laughs> Back then that I realized that I loved writing. So as I grew up, um, I just uh, kept cultivating on it. I had a blog as a teenager. It wasn't a big thing, but it was just so dear to my heart. And then um, my major is uh, linguistics. So I studied English and German um, at the university. And um, after I graduated, I just um, knew that I wanted to um, keep writing. So I was looking for ways how to find a place uh, where I could, could, you know, like utilize my uh, talent and uh, where there is a demand for it. So I uh, started writing for multiple different companies. I was creating content for them. I think it was like the uh, search engine optimization was uh, a big hit that year. So everybody was looking for, you know, like content writers to help them create content that would be optimized for search engines. So it was a good year for me to start. I had a chance to try out uh, creating content for different industries, but I loved uh, technology the most. And uh, so I stopped there. I would say like in about a year of like creating content, I realized that that wasn't enough for me. So I wanted to grow. I started like digging up information about content marketing and how to build funnels and how to, you know, cultivate results and bring in leads and, you know, do all that content marketing magic for my company. That's how I self-taught myself content marketing. And I, you know, like I got deeper into that. I would say six years (laughs) went by and I'm still doing it and I'm still loving it. And I even tried to, you know, like to switch from content marketing to like a more like marketing in a broader sense. It it didn't feel right for me. I wanted to go back and just focus um, just on content marketing because I feel like that's my passion and I want to pursue that without, you know, like trying to disperse into these different things across marketing. I think that's so cool. What did it ended up happening with the book that you wrote? <laughs> we still have it uh, in our family. It's uh, now that I read it, it seems so naive, but I love that you know, like a seven-year-old me had the courage to start writing. And even though it wasn't like you know a complicated plot or anything, I just loved the creativity that little girl had. 
um, and I'm pretty sure my brother enjoyed it so much. So I want to pass that on <laughs> to my kids uh, when they grow up. Um, I don't know, maybe that will encourage them to pursue their dreams and to see how um, a little dream of mine grew into something more into something bigger and more mature. And it actually became like a career path for me. Where can we find this book? Is it possible to find it? Oh, it was like in a notebook <laughs> and I would hide it under my bed so that nobody would read it. Only me and my brother. It was like, a, it was like, you know, a secret thing between me and my brother. It was like a secret connection. Yeah. So no, not on the internet. It was before internet got into my life. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. that is, I love that that's the beginning of your creator journey. And you talked about funnels and I'm excited to get into lemon. There's just so many questions I want to ask. Let's get into lemon first. First of all, the design on the Lemon website is so unique and stands out and really personable. Tell us about Lemon's culture. What attracted you to work with the company? It was just an offer that I couldn't, you know, say no to. And for a few reasons. So the first of them was their style and their brand. As you said, it was unique. I've never seen anything like this before. You know, before that, I've worked at several companies that were great, but they their style was and their brand, they were like very, you know, like company-like. It was very serious. It was very office-like. I don't know how to explain that. Lemon.io, they just stood out. And as a content specialist, I felt, I felt excited to be working and to be creating content around a brand like that. So I would say their brand and their style, those were the first first things that made me say want to say yes. But then I also met these people. I wouldn't say love at first sight because I don't believe in that. <laughs> but it was something close to that. I just really love the culture inside the company. They are very open-minded and they are very supportive and they believe in, you know, like they believe in, in the power of a team and they don't have any, like, you know, micromanagement and they trust you as a specialist. It's just a combination of a lot of different things that made me just really love what they're doing. I'm a homeschooling mom of a four-year-old boy. He was three back then. So for me, it was important to be part of a company that supports me to grow uh, without putting too much pressure on my personal life. You know, like I-, I wanted to work for a company that respected boundaries and that supported and supported my choices and supported my lifestyle. And as a working full-time mom and a full-time, you know, head of content at Lemon.io, it's just... I can't work like the regular hours I would do it in an office. So I talked to them about it before they hired me. And I wanted to be like very sure that they accept that and they are okay with me working in bits and pieces all throughout the day. And they were. And so that was like another thing that added up to my desire to work for them. And so, yeah, that's what I do now. I'm not just saying this because Yuli is on. Genuinely, my background is in the action sports industry, skate culture. I'm all about personality and design. And let me tell you, Lemon.io has one of the coolest sites I have seen on the internet. Not saying this because Yulizan, it's how I authentically feel. Even the culture they represent in the copy on their site, you'll see like an example of that is you are the hero of your story, the one who fights the dragon and rescues the princess. Us, we're just here to help find that extra pair of hands, help you find that extra pair of hands. Like the And the entire website is like that. They have commandments and everything, the images, it's amazing. So we go to Lemon in order to find developers to help us build our dreams. Can you walk us through what that experience is like? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we're basically helping American startups, almighty developers, as we call them, <laughs> from Eastern Europe. We are only working with uh, mid plus and senior developers. What makes us, you know, stand out is that we check all of our developers. It's not just your regular freelance platform. Before we add a developer to our pool of Mighty Devs, we check them for their soft skills, uh, hard skills, English proficiency. We make sure that we are only hiring the best developers. And we are actually hiring from our statistics uh, only top 4%. So if say, you know, like 100 developers, they register and they fill out a form, usually only four of those would stay with us. Um, after all the checks we do, unfortunately, we have to say no to 96 of them. And it's sad, but also it's really good because that means that we can put our trust in them and that we can be sure that the developers that we are offering to our clients, whom we also handpick, they are really trustworthy. The seniority that they um, mentioned they have is actually true, not like, you know, like they would say they have 20 years of experience in a technology that's been only around for, you know, like, three years, we don't have to worry about our reputation because reputation is like one of the most precious things <laughs> that we have. The same goes for our clients. We usually pre-check them so that because we, we really treasure and we value our developers. So in order to avoid any, you know, like bad experiences with us, we want to make sure that the, the clients that we connect them with are also uh, reliable trustworthy. They have like cool projects that senior devs want to be interested in working for. A hundred percent. And let's, man, I'm just so into the aesthetics of Lemon and the copy and the culture. Let's get into content because that's what you're passionate about. And you talked about funnels and that's what this is about. Like they saw your talent on how you could amplify what they're already doing on their site. So what do you do in relation to content? What do your funnels look like? What kind of software do you use to, you know, maintain those funnels? Oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I am responsible for all things content. We have a team of content writers and copywriters and um, content outreachers that help us build content and then help us make lemon.io known through that content when it's published on you know external platforms like articles, guides, how-tos on our website to uh, convert like our conversion landing pages and SEO landing pages. Uh, that is everything that I do. I, I think like the tricky part for me is that I have to work on two sides, meaning that I have to cover content both for supply and for demand. So that's when it becomes, you know, like a little bit tricky because that is a lot of work to cover. We have to, I have to uh, build funnels for our developers just to make sure that the content that we create would attract the senior devs that are on, you know, like they're not sure they're maybe they're sick and tired of their office hours and they wanna they want more freedom, but they're just not sure they are ready to jump into, you know, all that freelance and everything freelance <laughs> as it is brings in. So my job is to both establish our expertise and to encourage them and to show them how Lemon IO is solving all their concerns, is solving all their, you know, all the issues that are often associated with that freelance. It's just not what they want to do. And so luckily we solve that problem. We do all of that part for them 
all they have to do is just be amazing and join Lemon.io. And so I try to walk them through that. And on the other side, I have clients that are also, you know, like they have a lot of, we all know these crazy stories about freelance developers that would ghost you and they would, you know, like disappear and that a lot of scams on different freelance platforms. And that's a very sad reality. And that's something we have to work through. And as a content specialist, I know that that's my domain, you know, it's something I have to work with. And so the funnel there would consist of like, you know, guides and how to's and emails and everything, all sorts and types of content uh, that would explain that we understand their pain and we've seen that and we've all been there. But Lemon.io is also here to help you find a reliable developer that would be there for you and it would help you, you know, like kickstart building your product. And so, yeah, I have to bring those two different audiences together and to walk them through all these different types of content. Totally. The most essential thing in any business. And it's funny because a lot of times people miss this, especially brands and content. And it's what I admire about Lemon so much is really, truly understanding your audience, both via word and via aesthetics. And I think very few companies do this well. Like another company that does this really well is um, Buffer is an example of another tech company that does it really well. And so, I mean, everyone, I encourage you, I'm I'm literally not saying this because she's on the show, go to lemon.io to see what I'm seeing and you'll be like, oh, Spree, I get it. Like, I get why you're saying that. Can you give us some guidance? How can we understand our audience and what they're looking for as well as you've been able to embrace that? I think it sounds like super easy, but talking to your clients helps a lot. And I know everybody talks about it, but this is what actually helps us. If I don't have a chance to talk to a client directly, I would listen to sales calls, like the calls that are different, like sales department or success, customer success department have with our clients. And I would just try to get all the insights from those calls for me because they help me build more relevant content that would speak to them. And also it would help me like adjust and optimize the existing content uh, that would, you know, like answer their questions and, um, you know, like try and help them solve their issues that they have. So one of the things it would be like talking to your client directly and asking them questions or indirectly by listening to other, other people on your team or on or like, you know, in different departments, talk to, to these clients. So I would say that this helps us the most. This also brings insights for me on what to talk about next, what issues they are, you know, like what issues I should look into, take apart and uh, show, shed some light on the solutions, possible solutions to the issues that our clients raise. I think that's such a great suggestion and something people don't do enough to listen in to calls from other departments to hear how teams and uh, customers are actually speaking the word choices that they're using. Even if you're doing a focus group, sometimes people's language will be biased because they want to please you. So being able to eavesdrop in actual ongoings, real calls um, within the company truly helps in the content creation process and to, to best understand your audience. What is your process of creating the content and what software do you use to create? Like to write the articles, what software are you using? And then also to create the funnels, how do you map them out? What software do you use for the mapping? So to plan my content, I use Airtable. 
and it's been wonderful for me because it helps me like you know they have a calendar and they have all these useful you know features inside one one platform so i use airtable to plan my con content to track the progress on every piece uh, that i planned for my team uh, they have an integration with the jira that's the track management tool that we use management task management tool i'm sorry <laughs> and that's the task management tool that we use so that that is also helpful when we are planning the sprints for each week i can just you know like copy the articles and the pieces that i want my team to create from airtable to jira so it's it really you know helps me out and so your team does the design the output your team designs it then well not entirely we also have this amazing designer and um we have two designers. They're helping us, you know, like put together all of our landing pages. We have some some blocks that usually repeat on every page, some blocks that I want to implement and they're not yet on our website. That would be like on every page. And so those we have short-coded short by our developers and that part we can do, like, you know, my team can do without the help of a designer. But mostly all of our pages are designed because we have a lot of custom-made blocks, custom-made images. That is, you know, it's a plus and a minus. It's like a, an advantage and a disadvantage <laughs> of having a very unique brand. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those times where I'm like, I wish the podcast was video because like, I feel like everybody's like, what are you talking? Like, it's just a website. I'm like, no, it is not just a website. <laughs> like, look, you'll see what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I just really love it. Just to be honest, I wasn't, you know, it's not just me. I'm building this content on the legacy uh, that was made by our previous amazing uh, chief marketing officer, Xenia. She put a lot of effort into making Lemon.io what it is, so I can take full credit. But yeah, the branding is just really amazing. One quick question before you continue. How important has it been to have, so you were talking about having a, a bit of a custom design element. And so sometimes because your site is d design heavy, sometimes it creates not a block, but makes something slower than it would it, it would be that if you just had a standard template somewhere, uh, meaning like a, like a standard WordPress site or something, you know. How much have you noticed that that has actually helped increase conversions of attracting engineers or clients in it, investing in the design? Do you think it makes that much of a difference? Should we all be thinking about that? Or do you think it's not as important? And it's just kind of nice, but it doesn't really add to the conversion. I would say that because we are in a business, we're in an industry that is heavily packed with these giants like Upwork and TopTal and, you know, like all of those kinds of companies and marketplaces, we just knew that we had to stand out. And so our design is, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like another team member that helps us convert. We have a lot of clients and developers that come, come to us through word of mouth because of our design. So I would say it was totally worth the effort. Usually there are solutions to how to optimize your website so that it doesn't, you know, get slower or, you know, because it's heavy, heavily packed with uh, all these uh, custom blocks. So it's not an it's not an issue and it is totally worth it. Yeah. OK, keep going, keep going. So you were talking about you're creating the content, you create the content, you put it together and then potentially use the template designer and then you, you're tracking it using Airtable. Um, what else goes into the operational process of producing the content? 
so we use readable.io tool. It's an amazing tool, by the way. You should check it out if you don't know it. So we use this tool to help us make our texts, you know, to increase the readability of all our content. They would check for all sorts of things that are important to um, our readers, like the length of sentences, how easy it is to understand it. They use all the principles that would um, make the text super easy to scan, uh, super easy to read and understand. It just helps us a ton. And of course, uh, we love uh, Grammarly, not only because it's Ukrainian made, Ukraine made, but yeah, we're just very proud of that, <laughs> but also because it's super helpful. So Grammarly is uh, another tool uh, that we love to use. We also use Power BI for to create uh, reports, analytics reports. It's a tool that helps it like to visually present all that data to make it easier for all team members to understand how well it performs, all the conversions, uh, goals that we set uh, in Google Analytics. So that's another tool that we use. It helps to have an analyst on your team to do all the magic with those tools, but it's not rocket science. And um, I would recommend all the content specialists um, to all the content specialists to use these tools to just keep track of all your efforts. People often neglect the analytics, the optimization of their content. And it's just really bad because I know that to create a worthy piece of content, it takes so, so, so much time, so many resources. It's just really frustrating uh, if you don't analyze it and you don't see how well or not well <laughs> No, totally. What do you do for SEO? What are some of the tools you use there in your processes to start to create content? Where did you even learn when you first started how to do SEO? It was like right after I graduated uh, the university. I just I went into content writing and I wrote mostly search engine optimized content for different companies. So they would send me like text packs for every each and every article. And so I would just follow those. And, and that was like my first step to learning what search engine optimization was. It was just very clear for me. I didn't know how they created those specs. You know, I didn't know how what tools they used, but it was like it made sense. And so that was my first step. And then I took a step further and I went into content marketing. I keep learning it. Even now, I keep asking our SEO agency to just help me and walk me through some of the aspects of SEO I don't know or don't understand. I think it's important to say right now that to be a homeschooling mom and a specialist, like a full-time specialist and a full-time head of content, I had to outsource a lot of things that I would otherwise do myself just to, just to keep all the balls in the air. <laughs> I have to delegate several of the responsibilities. So I learned SEO to the extent that was necessary necessary for for me as a content marketer. Now that I'm a head of content, like, you know, doing all of this research for every piece of content would be just insane for me. It's just, it would be just too much. So we are hiring, like, you know, these amazing teams, like third party teams to help us do that magic. So we have like a PR agency for uh, different countries. Uh, we have an SEO agency that I, you know, like outsource our SEO efforts to. Yeah, I would say that's it. <laughs> I wanted to say something else. But yeah, just it helps me. It helps me to stay sane while trying to have it all. And also, it is amazing to have the support to use and benefit from the expertise of those external specialists that we are yeah that we are hiring you know like to help us 
as we start to wrap up, one of the the last few questions I want to ask is, it's such a powerful thing that you just said, it's impossible for me to do it all. Especially as women, a lot of the time we feel like we got to do it all. We got to be the partner. We got to be the mom. We got to be the the family member. We got to be the house cleaner. We got to be the founder. We got to be the engineer. We got to be the friend. I mean, I could go on forever. So... How do you find ease in, I don't know if you say setting boundaries or knowing when to say no or knowing uh, what to take on and what to delete? Like how, how do you navigate through that? How did you find it's okay to have a team support mm-hmm. me? I would say it was, <laughs> it was a trial and failure, right, <laughs> approach for me. So I tried to have it all and I tried to do it all myself when my son was just born. And it felt like, well, you know, he's sleeping a lot. So I can just, you know, like I can nurse and create content. I can, you know, like put him in a sling and just, you know, like do the, collect the text packs for the next piece of content. And then I just realized that I can't. So for me, it was just one day I just realized that I, unless I want to you know, unless I'm ready for a heavy burnout, I have to delegate. And now is the time. I'm often asking for help from my team. And um, I happen to have an incredible team. And I also learned one of the things that I learned is I have to live with my imperfection. You know, it's like, maybe it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. But for me, I'm a perfectionist. So I usually expect a lot from myself. And I just I am um, sometimes it just <laughs> it is painful to realize that I'm not a perfect mom. And I'm not a perfect head of content that uh, maybe I could have been better at both of these things if I only choose if I only chose one thing, you know, like either to work or to be a full-time caregiver. But it also humbles me a lot to live with that imperfection and remind myself why I'm doing each of these things. So I want my kid to have a great, you know, like a good role model of a mom that had a dream. She wanted to pursue it. And so for that, she had to sacrifice a few things. And she has to say a lot of no's to, you know, like to different things that are distracting her. But she's pursuing her dream. And also, I remind myself that why I'm homeschooling my kid and why, as a family, we chose this path. It helps me keep keep balance and not, you know, like not, you know, like not feel despair every time I see that I'm not perfect and I could have done better. Well, nobody has it perfect, you know, like, so it just helps me stay sane. A hundred percent. I think that is really powerful. What's one of the best pieces of advice that you've gotten that's helped you accelerate in your career? In the beginning of my career, I had this great chief marketing officer who told me that marketing is about experiments. Ever since then, I keep reminding myself that it is true. Every great marketing move was once an experiment. You know, it was once an experiment. And so I just let myself experiment with different things and I just let myself try out different hypotheses for you know like for content and uh, different types of content and different platforms to post it on and you know like different funnels and metrics to analyze and if it doesn't help us grow so be it I just move on and try out something else and who is a must follow you recommend it could be a blogger a youtuber podcaster someone on twitter instagram who's a must follow as a personality, because I, I would say that a must follow for me is the Hustle <laughs> newsletter. Oh, and I yeah. I absolutely love. Yes. yes. Oh, wow, it's amazing. I just love it so much. 
I would say that for any marketer out there, if you're not following, if you haven't subscribed yet, just do it. It's amazing. We even have a vocabulary, you know, uh, because English isn't our first language. We we have a vocabulary based on their newsletters. <laughs> so we just, you know, like we collect their gems and then we use it in our content later. So, yeah, it's amazing. What book do you recommend that we read? So it's called Finding the Right Message. You can find, find it on Amazon. And it's about the voice of customer research and how you can do it. It's it's like super short. I would say it's like about 150 pages. But I had a friend of mine recommend it to me. And I, I think it's really amazing. So it's just that we don't, it often feels like we don't pay enough attention to customer research. We don't understand the customer very well. We don't know how to do that. We don't know how to get into detail. And so then we end up creating content for what we think our customer is, but it's not. It's like it's not the same person, what we think our customer is and um, who they really are. Awesome. Where can people connect with you? Oh, I would say LinkedIn and if you... <laughs> LinkedIn, I have my LinkedIn in English and I uh, tend to share a lot of like professional stuff or like insights that I have there. And I also have a Twitter, but it is as right now it is more focused on uh, helping Ukraine. My father is in, is in the armed forces of Ukraine. And so I feel very passionately about helping them and support the informational frontline too. So you can also follow me on Twitter and support Ukraine with me. And I have a personal Instagram can you share your Twitter handle and your LinkedIn? And can you share like a shout out of where we can help? Absolutely. Yes. So I would say that one of the few things that I ask my uh, like foreign friends, friends outside of Ukraine to do research, what companies are still haven't left the aggressor state of Russia and just boycott them. It's it's free and you don't have even to pay for it, but it helps to put pressure on them so that they leave and they don't sponsor this war. And so as a marketer, that's what I do. I create like creatives and I work with a team of designers to spread these creatives and to we write emails to the UN, we write emails to these companies and so we do a lot of things to, you know, like to informate, to fight effectively on the information front line. There is this um, two funds that I trust and that I personally support besides all these, you know, you know, like when my friends are collecting money and, you know, like encourage us to donate. So these foundations are comebackalive.in.ua. And then there is pretulafoundation.org is also an amazing foundation uh, that supports and helps uh, like Ukrainians and um, our soldiers right now. It's um, P-R-Y-T-U-L-A foundation.org. Mm, yeah, like how I am a part of a big community that is making a change, making a difference. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. I sincerely in my personal life hope that we wake up one day and this war is over. I, uh, It's very sad. Um, and uh, it has affected me in my personal life a lot. I can't even imagine how you must feel having your father there. And uh, I know so many of my friends have been displaced and uh, it's a lot. And I really every day hope I wake up and it's just done. It's just over. It's just done. 
and we could start the the very long journey to rebuilding. With all of that being said, I appreciate you investing your time, your energy, your spirit, your love, your talent here on the Women in Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more amazing people around the world. Make sure you go to the Women in Tech community at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you talk to you all the things in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hey, my name is Yulia Mamanov. I'm a head of content at Lemon.io. We're connecting uh, Eastern European developers uh, with uh, American startups. I was born and raised in Ukraine, based in Israel now. You're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.